Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you all are doing well this morning. If you have your Bibles or if you uh, are here today or uh, listening or back on the backstage patio and you have a device, you guys can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today as we continue in our series called The DNA of a Transformational Church. Now, those of you who've been journeying with us uh, know that uh, this series really is kind of, was kind of birthed and born out of a place where I was just asking God, what is next for our church? What's that next thing that you want God for Hilton Head Island Community Church? And I believe that he gave uh, me that answer, and I passed it along to our leadership team, and we prayed about it, talked about it, discussed it, and we came up with these seven words that I think very accurately reflect what God has for us. The kind of church that he has called us to be, but also the kind of church that he's called us to become. The kind of church that he established us and in, in back all the way in 2007, uh, but also the church that he wants us to be as we head uh, towards, you know, 2027. And uh, these seven words are things that we're uh, you know, going to be living with and talking about for a long time. Now, this, don't worry, this series is over here in a few weeks. Some of you are like, wait, what does a long time mean? All right, so I get that. Uh, but we are going to be uh, talking about these last three words. So far, we've talked about how Hilton Head Island Community Church, that we desire to be a church that is a growing church, that is a giving church, that's a welcoming church. The last two weeks, you heard from uh, Ben, who is our kids director, and you heard uh, from Justin, who is our student pastor, next-gen pastor, and you heard how we want to be a church that entrusts the gospel to the next generation. And man, that is so near and dear to my heart and to all of our hearts. Um, but today, we really are turning the corner and focusing on what I believe is the centerpiece of Hilton Head Island Community Church, and that is serving our community. And so we come around this word that is serving. And so today we're going to be talking about what it means to be and what it means to become a church that's serving its community. Now I want to go right back to our mission this morning. Our mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus and lead people to follow him. To passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. And the reason why serving, and I'm going to talk today in the context about serving our community, right? So we've got serving and loving and giving the next three weeks. Next week, we'll talk about loving. The week after that, we're going to talk about sending, which will be a focus on global. But today, what I'm talking about is how we can serve our community together. And, and our goal, our vision in this is that we are a church that is serving, a church that is the first call in our local community, serving in whatever way is needed. That's our statement, that we're the first call. But here's what I know. I know that, like, we are not quite there yet, right? And I know that we haven't matured yet, and I know that in this area, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of maturing to do as a church. And by the way, I'm going to say us today because I put myself right in your shoes as well. That we together, I'm, I'm saying us and we, we have a lot of maturing to do. 
In our house right now, we have a uh, 14, almost 15-year-old, and we have a 17-year-old who's a senior in high school, and I have talked about her a lot because she's a senior, and you're going to have to endure me crying a lot, probably right here on stage over the next year because my baby's going to college next year, all right? So I've talked a lot about that, and you'll probably hear me talk about that uh, in the future. But one thing I know is, is that when I was about 14 years old, my dad and I were having a lot of conversations about, hey, it's time to grow up, right? And what he was saying, essentially, is it's time for you to mature, to walk into maturity and to, to, to kind of be the man. He used, to, he used to work, basically, he was gone Monday through Friday almost every week. And he would say, you need to be the man of the house. Now, at 14, you don't really know what that means. I know now, I think, I know now what that means. And I knew that what he was doing is he was calling me and challenging me to be more mature, to take ownership, to take responsibility, to make the most of every moment. And I'm thankful at 40-something years old, I'm thankful that my dad challenged me. in church, that's my challenge to us today is if we want to be the church that's the first call, if we want to be the church where, man, when there's trouble, when there's a crisis that, you know, people think of, let me, let me call my church, let's call this church, Hilton Head Island Community Church, I realize that we have to, to, to mature in terms of doing this individually, not just corporately. We have to mature in terms of doing this with ownership and taking and making the most of every opportunity. And so today I want to point your attention to the church in Macedonia, to the church in Macedonia. And the story of the Macedonian church is actually found in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, okay? And I'm going to give you a little background here on this passage because a lot of you might be confused by this and it's understandable. So I want to talk with you about what, where we're going today and kind of the context so that you'll have a better understanding and I think an understanding of why I chose this particular passage, which might seem a little different and odd. All right. So there's this church that the Apostle Paul, who wrote a large part of the, the New Testament, he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And Corinth is, at this point in time, at this point in history, Corinth is, is kind of a rock. They're steady. They're fairly wealthy. They're fairly well-to-do. And even though Paul kind of beat them up a little bit in this first letter, he's kind of praising them a little bit in this letter. And he kind of goes back and forth in terms of correcting and also celebrating with them. But he's writing to them. And in the midst of him writing, he stops here and he makes an appeal to the church in Corinth to be more about giving and generosity. And he makes this appeal and he says, hey, you're doing all of these things so well, but there's this one little area that, you know, it's just probably an area that you've, you've got to, to, to work on, and it's in the area of giving and generosity. And what he does is he makes a comparison. He kind of uses an example and challenges them and says, hey, there's this group of churches in Macedonia, and they're doing this really well. So he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. He's talking about the Macedonians and how well they did this. And I'll explain more about that in a minute. And essentially he's saying that they gave, we're going to see it here in a second. They gave this great amount of money to send back to the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem is going through a very difficult time right now because of a famine. And they're in great need. 
and they rose up and God did this great thing. So here's what I want you to know today is that I realize I'm pointing you to a passage that's talking about giving and generosity. But for this, for what we're talking about today in terms of serving, I want you to make the leap from the fact that they're talking about giving to the fact that I'm talking about serving. Because let's face it, giving is a type of service, right? Being generous is, is something that we can do to serve the world around us. And what I want you to pay attention to is not necessarily the act of giving, although maybe some of us need to hear that message too, okay? But I want you to focus on the spirit in which this church in Macedonia was generous. I want you to capture the spirit and the heart and the passion of this church in Macedonia. Check this out, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5 today. He says this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. There are two places, at least two places in the New Testament where there's a group of churches and not one central church because it was a little bit of a different area, and it's Galatia. Uh, and we have the book of Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, and then these churches in Macedonia. It's this area of churches rather than one specific one. Verse 2. He says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of, say it with me, generosity on their part. Now, I want you to see here that he's talking about the church in Macedonia. He says, in a severe test of their affliction, out of their abundance of joy and extreme poverty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints that was in Jerusalem. That was what was going on at the time. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I want to stop here for a second and explain. I think what Paul is doing is he's pointing out what's going on in the church of Macedonia to challenge the Corinth church, the church in Corinth, and he's going, hey guys, you have this wealth. You have this generosity. And you'll see in a moment, you talked about it before, but you're not really doing it right now. And this church in Macedonia that is a much more poor place, they have struggles of their own. They're giving beyond their means to the church and the effort in Jerusalem. And he's challenging them. This is a lot like in a sports team. If you have a quarterback that's the top quarterback, but as a coach, you know he needs to be challenged. So early in the season, in training camp, you let the number two guy come in and really make a shot at it. And by the way, this happens in NFL and in college and any other sport, by the way. And while I'm talking about it, go Georgia Bulldogs. Side note, okay, so anyway, uh, some of you were wondering when I was going to mention that over the past few weeks. I felt like this was a good time. Anyway... <laughs> I just offended like a lot of people. Uh, so <laughs> this is a challenge to the church in Corinth like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he's essentially saying, hey, guys, this is the kind of heart you need to have. 
This is the kind of passion you need to have. Look at what they're doing. If any of you have siblings, your parents probably did this at some point in time, right? I had a little sister. I remember. I remember my mom being like, hey, why can't you do the kitchen like she does? Oh, really? Really? But there was a challenge in there, right? To clean up better, to do a better job. And so Paul, then in verses 6 through 9, he challenges the church in Corinth that they excelled in so many different areas, but not yet in generosity. And he, compare, he compares them to this group that's doing it right. And we're going to read on in verses 10 and 11. He says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in this matter, I give my judgment, he says, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to, to desire to do it. To desire to do it. So now finish, he says, finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. I just want to point out a few of the things that Paul does. He, he says the Macedonian church, that they gave or served, we're going to say served, they served out of an abundance of joy. They they gave from a place of, of wealth, of generosity. But here's the thing. Please don't miss this church. The church in Macedonia didn't have much to give. I want you to think of a time when you were like seriously dirt poor. Some of you are like, it's right now, Todd. I don't even have to think back. It's right now. I remember that day when I was in sales, and this was way before kids, and I wasn't making any sales, that's not a good combination when you're in sales and not making any sales. And I remember many weekends literally opening up our car and looking under the seat for change. Now I'm doing that for college. But then it was for dinner, right? I mean, you guys have been there, right? This was the Macedonian church. They were looking under the seats for change for dinner. But God did the miraculous thing and among them, from a place of passion and generosity, they found, found it to give. God used them in an amazing way. He says they gave according to their means. And not only that, they gave beyond their means. And I love it when he says they gave on their own accord. This church took ownership for people who had need. And he goes on to say they begged earnestly. They begged earnestly to be a part of giving. Now, church, I want you to hear this. Hilton Head Island Community Church, Christ follower, I want you to hear that here at this place, at this time, that's the kind of church that I desire for us to become. And I believe that that's the type of church that God desires for us to be when it comes to serving and although we have moments that we do this well, I think that when we really are doing it well is when it happens at the lowest level possible. When all the glory doesn't go to the church, doesn't go to the name, it doesn't ever go to me or the staff, but it goes to God because you and I are doing it with our neighbors and our friends and students, some of the people that you're in class with and your friends in your neighborhood, people you live life with. And so today, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us 
to have the attitude of the Macedonian church in terms of serving. To have that passion to be begging for us to be a part of serving the people around us. It's that spirit of the Macedonian church in their generosity that I want us to have in terms of serving our community. They were known for that spirit of generosity. And I would love, I would love, love, love for Hilton Head Island Community Church to be known as a church that serves its community abundantly, that serves well. But here's the thing. As I said in the video, that can't happen alone. It can't be that it's the only time that we do this is when we as a church do it. When we have serve days and when we have big projects and you sign up for a project, all of those things are good, but this works best when you all are doing it in your families and in your groups and with your families and with your groups. That's when this works best. And so today I want to challenge you in two ways. I want to challenge you in terms of ownership, and I want to challenge you in terms of opportunity. I told you about my dad, and when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, he began to talk to me about, you know, being the man of the house when he was gone, and that I didn't quite understand that. And um, my big thing was um, I was in charge of the yard from about 13 on. How many of you like yard work? I just want to see in the house here. You can raise your hand at home, too, by the way, and back on the backstage patio. Raise your hand. Come on. Be proud. All right? I'm with you. I'm raising my hand. I like yard work. You like yard work? It's like three of us that likes yard work. I like yard work. I have a pastor friend that used to say he likes yard work because he can look behind him and see results. I was like, that's pretty funny. I don't know if that's really, like, fair, but that's really funny. How many of you hate yard work? Raise your hand. Be honest, loud and proud. All right. All right. That's good. You're being honest in church. I respect that. Big time. That was my job was to do yard work. And I, and I knew that when my dad came home on Friday, he was going to look to see if the yard was done. He was going to make sure that the edge, you know, the edges were all nice and neat. He was going to make sure that I had actually taken that leaf blower and gotten rid of all the stuff, you know, in the driveway, right? And I remember many a Friday night. I mean, it was nearly forced labor. I get it. Like, I started young. And it's okay. Dad, it's all right if you're listening to this. We'll talk later. Anyway, so, I, I, you know, like, I remember coming, him coming home on a few Friday nights, and we had, you know, talks, right? But over time, I took ownership of it. There were a lot of weeks I failed. There were a lot of weeks I was like, oh, man, it's Friday at 7 p.m. I better get out there and do it now. And he knew I'd just done it, and he knew I didn't care. But over time, I started taking ownership. Over time, I realized this was my way of contributing. This was my way of being responsible and being the man of the house. And church, it is going to take us, each one of us, if we are going to be a church that serves our community, it is going to take us taking ownership together, looking for ways to serve. It's my first point today. Take ownership, all of us, myself included. Take ownership of our community and look for ways to serve. 
I love the book of James. James is a in-your-face. He writes this, this letter, and it's in your face, man. It is so strong, and there's a lot about James that may be confusing because he's trying to balance like uh, faith and works, and he's trying to test our faith by saying if, you're, if you have faith but you have no produce from that faith, is, is your faith real? And there's a lot to that that's interesting, but I love it because he really gets down to the nitty-gritty sometimes, and it's really challenging. I think this verse will probably challenge all of us out of this passage. Check this out, James 2, 14 through 17. He says this, what good is it? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Whoa, that's a question for a different sermon, all right? It's a big question. It's a huge question. It's for another time. He says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, I love this, verses 15 and 16. It's almost comical if it weren't so sad. He says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, be filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Do you guys see what James is doing here? Do you see what James is, is trying to do? He's kind of slapping us on the wrist. And he's going, hey, if you, if you have great words to your, to, to your you know, want and your desire to serve and to help, but you don't have the actions, where's your faith? What kind of faith is that? Is that really good faith? I want to read that again. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Man, when I was studying this a few weeks ago, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I was really convicted. Because I began to think about my neighbors, and I began to think about Hurricane Matthew. How many of you were here, lived here during Hurricane Matthew? Oh, that was a rough year, right? I mean, yeah, 2020 and 2021 haven't been much fun either, but 2016 was a rough year. It was tough. And I knew my neighbors so well because we had to help each other, right? You remember that time? We had to help each other. I knew what they were going through. I knew what their struggles were. I knew what they were dealing with. And if I'm really honest with you, I've let that fade a little bit. I was convicted by this a few weeks ago. Like, man, I got to get back to that myself. That's why I'm saying us and we, not you. It's because I think we all need to be challenged by this. Because James is saying here that your words are important, but he's saying that your words are worthless. Your faith is worthless if you're not actually doing the help. If you're not actually helping, if you're not actually taking action. I think we can get really comfortable in asking this question to the neighbor who's maybe elderly and maybe in need, or their yard might be in need of, you know, some landscaping, which I admitted that I enjoy, <laughs> Uh, the question that we want to ask is, is, do you need help? But maybe the question that we should be asking is, what's a good time for me to come over and help? The person that needs a meal because their family is sick, I think the question is, is not, can we help? But maybe, what kind of food do you need? 
You see, I think that we need to think differently. We need to think about our works as part of our faith, as an extension of our faith, so that we can then serve in the best way possible. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us to let our light shine in verses 14 through 16. He says, you are the the light of the world. He's just talking about being the salt. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, nor do people put a lamp or light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. And then he says this, he makes the comparison, it's a great analogy, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and get glory for yourself. Doesn't say that, does it? Does it say so they may see your good works so that your church gets all the attention? No, it doesn't say that either, does it? It says so that you're, you give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You see, we should be helping people because we have a God who loves us so much. We should therefore be kind and helpful and love each other. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3, for they, that church in Macedonia, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, he says, of their own accord. Listen, I want to challenge you to take ownership of serving our community. Do what you can. You and your family talk about what you can do. You and your small group get together and talk about what you can do. When we are doing that as a church, as we live our lives serving our community, when no one's watching, no one's seeing it, there's no strings attached, that's when we have become a serving church. It's all about ownership. Secondly, it's about opportunity. It's about opportunity about making the most of every opportunity to serve the people around us and serve our community. Paul, in that letter to the churches in Galatia, says in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, let us not grow weary of doing good. Man, there's a lot of people in our lives that need to hear that right now, right? A lot of you who are working in the medical field, in the hospitals, doctor's offices, those of you who are teachers in education, you need to hear, please don't, Don't grow weary in doing good. You have done so much good for our world over the last year and a half. You need to hear it again. Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. So then, he says, as we have the opportunity, Paul writes, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. And church, when we as God's people, when we as his representatives here in Hilton Head Island in the South Carolina low country, in South Carolina, here in the United States and in, on this planet, when we decide individually that we're going to get our people together and we're going to serve our world, then we become a church that is intrinsically and purely a serving church. And y'all, isn't that the way Jesus did it? Isn't that the way Jesus did it? He did it with a purity of heart. He did it with a selfless, a selflessness that we can't even comprehend. 
See, when we take ownership and when we make the most of every opportunity, we become a church that is organically serving our community. And that's the kind of church that I dream of. I believe that's the kind of church that God desires for us to be. Now, we give you opportunities. We've got an opportunity coming up. Twice a year, we do serve days now. We've done it for the last couple of years. And this is the opportunity for you to get a taste if you've really never served. We've got five projects. We used to do 10 to 12. We're trying to actually lower this because I want the uh, ownership to be on you to come up with your opportunity and your project and take ownership of serving your world. But we've got several different opportunities for you if you just can't figure it out or maybe you're new here or maybe you've just moved here or maybe you're vacationing from Ohio and you just don't know what to do but you want to be a part, you guys can check out uh, our serve day coming up on October 24th. Um, you can find one of our projects there. We're serving at Mitchellville. We're serving at Antioch. We're serving at uh, several different ones, Deepwell and a few others. And I want to encourage you to do that. But uh, what I really want to encourage you to do is to think of Serve Day as your opportunity to own it. And to make the most of your opportunity to serve together. And so my challenge to you, if you're, if you're taking notes and you're like, man, God is really doing something in me right now. If you're taking notes and I want to challenge you on this. Here's, here's the real action item. Go home today. Go to lunch today. Go back to your family and say, hey guys, Let's do this. Let's do our own serve project on October 24th. And talk about what that is. And then pray about that. Like really commit it to prayer over the next week. And over the next week, be looking for different opportunities of how you can serve. Be on the lookout when you talk to your neighbors. Students, look for people you know, in your schools that you guys can serve. Look for people that you know that you can serve. The week after that, begin to organize it, communicate about it. And then October 24th, come here. Let's worship together here. We're going to be in one service, and then we're going to leave, and then we're going to go serve our community together. What a great thing. Imagine what our world would be like. Imagine what this community would be like if we all owned serving this community. It would be incredible. I want to encourage you to do just that, but I also want to encourage you to not stop with serve day. Don't stop with serve day. Let this be something that just comes out of our hearts as we live our lives. You know, the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. And church, Christ follower, whether you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, or whether you're visiting, whether you're home, watching online, or whether you're back on the backstage patio or here in the house, I want you to think about the sacrificial, significant service that Jesus accomplished for you. What can we do in light of that to serve the world around us? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to represent you in this world. And God, I thank you for these, these bodies that we have that are to be used for you. God, I thank you for the minds that we have 
that we can think of ways on our own to, to serve you, to call that assisted living facility that we know of someone who's, who's living there, to reach out to that teacher that our kids are connected with that has mentioned and dropped hints before that they need help in their room, to go back to that neighbor who's having the health issue. And maybe they need a friend. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe they need some, some things done around the house. God, would your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us to just serve at that roots level, the lowest level possible with our families, with our friends, with our groups. God, may we do it with no strings attached, without anything to gain, other than to do what you did by first loving us. God, may our service in this community be a response to what you did for us on the cross. God, thank you so much for loving us. God, may we love the way you loved us. May we serve the way that you served us. And may we give the way that you gave to us. God, give us hearts. Give us ears. Give us eyes. To feel, to see, to touch this community and make a difference for you and for them. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said.